my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You're listening to episode 145 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. We are doing something very, very different for episode 145. We're not reviewing a movie today. We are talking about one movie, uh, two movies really, but one movie especially. And if you can hear the giddiness of my guests, um, it, it's kind of cool. It's, it's one of those things I wish it was a visual medium. Um, yeah, we are going to be talking about a film released July third, nineteen eighty-five. Which, as you may have heard off the top of the show, neither one of my guests are alive. I was, but I didn't see it in theaters then. July third, nineteen eighty-five. Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis, produced by Steven Spielberg, was unleashed into theaters and uh, did boffo um, box office and had a great spot in pop culture. And four years later, released a somewhat notorious sequel, which was set. Today, Wednesday, Wednesday even, they say, I noticed as I was rewatching it, Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. So in honor of this momentous occasion, we are marking the day that we have caught up to this uh, moment in pop culture. And I have gathered some friends uh, here to talk who, neither one of which were born in 1985. Um, beginning on my left, we have uh, a woman who's often on the show who you heard we argue quite a bit. Um, although, again, not for posterity, uh, who writes these days at Rumorg? She occasionally writes at Row 3, uh, was writing at Sound on Sight. Which no longer exists. I know. That, that, that saddened me. It's been yeah. a rough year. It has. You know? But, uh, but I'm, happy that, I'm, I'm happy that we're friends because I'm happy that I get you on for stuff like this. <laughs> Ariel Fisher's here. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And I'm very happy to be here. You're, I, I, <laughs> so I, I might embed like your text messages into the show notes of this show because they were <laughs> they were giddiness embodied on the uh, LED. Yes. Um, to my right, uh, one of the guys, when I think of Back to the Future, there's somebody who knows these movies backwards and forwards, even though he wasn't alive. Um, and Let it go, man. Let who it go. Also, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm not going gracefully <laughs> into middle age. It is not going well for me. Um, uh, who I, I often think about when I think about um, Zemeckis and Spielberg and certainly Back to the Future. Uh, Corey Atan is here. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Of, very... of all kinds of places, of many podcasts dedicated to uh, shows like... Uh, many podcasts. Yeah, it's, one I mean, podcast. More than one. I have one, man. Like, you know, one I'm, podcast. Mad Men. Just Mad Men? I thought you did the Masters of Sex one for a while, too. No, I produced that one, but yeah, I'm not produced. on Produced? Oh, my. Can, I, can, can you produce this show? Because I'm, <laughs> no. I think the... No? <laughs> no. No, the <laughs> amount of time it took out of my week was... Oh, uh, okay. I, yeah. gonna, I thought it was. I thought you were making a comment on the talent. No, 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 no. no. Okay, no. I'll take it. I'll leave the work to you. Th thank you. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. Um, so obviously, we're not going to review this film just because I find it ridiculous to review a film thirty years after its release. But we are going to talk about the film itself. We're going to talk about the sequel, um, Back to the Future. In case you've never seen it, I would be curious to meet. Do you guys know anybody who's never seen it? Yes, I do. Several. I'm afraid to say. Quite a few. Really? Yeah. Like I also, he... I also know like. A larger, well, obviously larger number, but larger number of people who've seen the first but haven't seen the sequels. 
I, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. But yeah, I've seen a number. Of, I, I know a, a bunch of people. Yeah, like, I guess we're kind of... I tend to block that one out of my head even. I've asked a few people over the last few days because they've been like, well, what are you doing this week? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> and then I geek out and they look at me like I've got two heads. And then I ask, have you seen them? And they say, eh, maybe bits and pieces. And then I gasp and look horrified. So. I mean, like, this is a... This show, you guys have both done it. And you know that I always ask people, what is the classic or essential that you haven't seen? And that has never come up. But of course, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like you, One, you can't see everything. And, and let's be honest, it's a 30-year-old movie now. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's a 30-year-old movie. And not every movie fan either was the right age at the time or caught up with it later. Or now it's just, it's one of those movies. Um, Maybe. I, I feel I can just say that if you haven't seen Back to the Future kind of failed at life a little bit a yeah. little bit not and, like entirely and, and, and yet, you can fix it and you know? yet well I was gonna say turn, turn on turn on you know TBS any Sunday and you can probably fix it mm-hmm. um, it's I don't even think it's on Netflix now so you can't even just go make a point of it no. um, I, I actually envy them because I, I've, I've come to a place where I envy people who get to see movies for the, first um, for, time. The, for the first time. And Back to the Future would be one. I worry about the people who haven't seen it for the first time now because there's such a jaded notion of, you know, perspective on older films. Like, I don't think I, any of these films are dated. I think that they've aged very, very well. Um, right. And they're beautiful films. But, but the way newer generations have been in processing older films, it makes me really nervous. And I don't think they would process it the same way. There is, I know there is a video out there uh, that's been making the rounds this week where they showed teenagers the 2015 clips and just kind of got their reactions. And of course it would be the reactions of teenagers. Sure. Although I think, <laughs> I think it misses the fact that like, it's, it's it was jumping. deliberately like, I mean, yeah. Okay. They, they were off on a lot of predictions, but also it was deliberately a little bit, ridiculous like it was it was this really 80s-ified idea like I don't think that Robert Zemeckis was like this is exactly what the no, future well, is going to look and nobody like could know in, in 30 fact, years no actively Zemeckis was saying he couldn't possibly predict yeah, so, so he, he thought go big right. go big go zany go fun go with what you would like to see in the right. future yeah. and that's so, what they did alright so let's start with the first movie um, I'm going to start with you uh, just because I started, started the introduction with, uh, with Ariel uh, do you remember like the first time that you came across this movie? The first time you watched it? It's just—is it just always been there? It's just—it's—it's it's like in—it's ingrained in your consciousness. I mean, yes and no. I know when I like vaguely when I would have seen it for the first time it would have been—I was pretty young. Um, our family was living in Turkey, and I had uh, this friend who um, their their family had like a huge VHS collection. And, you know, that's where I saw Star Wars trilogy for the first time. It's where I saw Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, like any trilogy, Alien. I was like eight <laughs> years old watching the Alien movies. Um, so, yeah, it would have been then, but I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember precisely. So you, you kind of became a bigger fan of it, like as time went along and like more and more rewatches. Yeah. And it's also one that I think sometime in high school, I realized, like, oh, this is the movie that I've seen, like, more than any other movie. Oh, okay. Um, other than maybe some Disney movies that I watched, like, over and over when I was really young. It's, like, actively, you know, even since then I watch it. I mean, it's been, I had a bit of a drought recently, but, like, there was a point where I was watching it, you know, every month or two. Um, you need movies like that. Yeah, yeah. So, that's cool. Do you remember yours? I don't. At all? It's, again, it's, it's a movie that was always there. It was always there. I do remember that it was, uh, my parents had taped it off of City TV um, <laughs> when they would have their movie nights, yep. and we would frequently tape 
movies off of there that we just we always love to watch so instead of buying it it was easier for us to just tape it yeah and so because vhs was quite expensive at the time yeah when we were younger one movies didn't come to vhs until years after yeah. and, and even then not even all of them it was the no, stuff that they thought could make money uh, so yeah, so you usually tape stuff off TV. And we had it taped off of City TV, so for the longest time, I had that kind of slightly edited, vaguely shortened <laughs> version of Back to the Future that I've probably been watching since I was about two or three years old. So I literally have no recognition of the first time I ever saw it. But I do remember that I got it as, like that was the only copy that existed in our family mm. until I got my first DVD which was my dad bought me the box set trilogy mm -hmm. of on DVD of Back to the Future. Wow. Parts one, two, and three. That big clunky box set. I remember that, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it opened Still up. Happened. It like, opened in like two weird, different sections. Yes, the, yeah. and it was weird. They did a weird case for the Blu-ray too. They did a little bit. Let's which Back I, to the Future in weird I, cases. I they no just idea. like to make it difficult. But I do remember watching that that version for the first time. And it was like discovering the movie anew because I was seeing scenes that I had never seen because they were cut out of the TV version. Uh, and Marty swore. <laughs> I was not used to that. In the second one, when he, he's on the hoverboard and he's like hovering over the water and Griff and all of his cronies are coming at him and he's about to swing and he jumps and they go through the, the, the wall and everything and then he gets up out of the water and goes, holy shit. But what it said on the city TV version was, holy jeez. So wow. for the longest time, I'm like, and then I finally listened to this version. I'm, he doesn't say that. That's not what he actually <laughs> says. It was very strange for me. But So I, it's funny because my first experience with it actually was on TV as well. I didn't, I didn't see it in the theater, even though I am older than both of you. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I saw it on City TV, and I taped that showing, that first showing I ever saw. I happened to record it. So for the longest time, what my memory did was I knew where the commercials were. So, you know, when the DeLorean plows into the barn, I knew that it would go to a commercial yes. and I'd have to fast Same. forward. Right. Yeah. I, the, right. I, I always had... You just had... kind of had those cues. Yeah, yeah. Which... I have that that experience with a few movies with, like, Dumb and Dumber is, is the one <laughs> I think of. As little... I only... I don't even own it on DVD. I, I only ever owned it as, like, a VHS taped off of, like, Israeli TV. <laughs> so it wasn't edited, actually. Right. It, all the, everything was in there. Well, yeah, But there were commercials. Okay. You know. But the funny thing was... So the <laughs> but week, the vulgarity was there. The vulgarity was definitely there. The week I recorded it was actually the week that part two came out. Oh. So part two was my one of my first I'm going without my parents movies. Uh, and I went and saw it on opening night and the line was down the block. And of course, every last little reference in part two that hinged back to part one. And my God, are they a ton. Mm -hmm. They were all really, really fresh in my mind. I could kind of mm -hmm. see whispers. Mm -hmm. like, Wait, what's going on? I got it all. And I was like, hey, I, I know this. So I felt badass for, for being four years late to the party. Let, let me ask you something. Did you pick up at the time on the fact that uh, Elizabeth Shue was now in the movie? No. This came That's... up when I when I watched it last night. Um, uh, Lindsay said to me, she goes, it always annoyed the heck out of me that you just the first thing you see after Marty opens that garage is Elizabeth Shue. And it's just such a such a shake. And I was like, at 11, I didn't process that. I was the I same redheaded girl. I, I literally, I like, never noticed it. And yeah. I'd most of the times I'd seen those movies were, like, in a row. And this was, like, well into high school. At some point, I watched it, and I realized, like, wait a second. That's a different actress. I kind of think that, that kind of speaks to how inconsequential Jennifer is in the first movie. Yeah. She's got a little bit more to do in the second movie, yeah. but she really has not much to do in the first movie. That you can just switch it out with another redhead, and we're fine. 
Well, but they I, don't even look alike. No, I know. Yeah. They're the, but they're the same height. And that's the reason why they chose her. And their they voice chose has Elizabeth similar Shue. interesting. But they actively, like, legitimately, according to my tome of knowledge, uh, one of the <laughs> things that they actually did was they chose Elizabeth Shue because she was the same height as the previous actress whose name I'm forgetting. Because they had they had a real issue finding, a, casting a woman next to... Uh, Michael J. Fox, oh, yeah. who wasn't so too tall, because the actress that they had with Eric Stoltz, who was originally supposed to play Marty uh, Marty McFly, was way too tall for for Michael J. Fox, so they had to recast. Mm-hmm. So re- there were three recasts with that character. In, yeah, in, in theory, all wow. Told. I like I was reading before you guys got here. I was reading that apparently even just the Stoltz recasting added three million dollars onto this budget because they went so far down the yeah. rabbit hole with filming with him. Before they realized that it was wrong, and people might not even well, know that that this is yeah. this is one of the really big casting switches of all time. Of all like time. this is right Absolutely. up there with um, with uh, Harvey Keitel was supposed to be in Apocalypse Now, and they switched him out too. And that was one of the things they did a lot of filming with Stoltz when oh, they realized yeah. he just wasn't funny. And they and it, it's they went through a lot of it with Stoltz, and then kind of came to this conclusion not just that not that he wasn't funny, but that his humor wasn't right. But he didn't have kind of a self-effacing characteristic to him, and he took everything too seriously. And yeah. he, was, he was a character actor. He really invested himself in the role and had to know about a motivation and a this and a that. And he couldn't just be this teenager. He couldn't just let it lie. And so they, you know, took a real chance and went to Spielberg and actually got his help to kind of say, listen, this shit isn't working. Yeah. Look at what we have he's the missing piece here something's yeah. wrong we need to change it and am i the only person agreed. who sort of wants to see that footage though like it, it would seen be some of it have you is it's this on, a, yeah there's there's like is it a on documentary the, but the, but they just show like scattered. little little like a lot no i want to see i want to see like the rough cut i want to see yeah. what they've got and i'm wondering if they're because they're releasing another i think it has more footage because there's some more documentary right. but i there not much I, I think from what i know um the bobs Zemeckis and Gale have kind of said like they don't intend to release that footage at least while they're alive or while he's which alive. Which is another reason why I want to see it. Yeah, to be honest. but you it, know, forbidden fruit, I must. Well, see yeah, because I mean, what they what they say is that it just it doesn't it makes him look actively bad, mm-hmm. even though it has nothing to do with his acting, ability. acting abilities. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't want to like throw him under the bus as an actor. And just no, like, no, yeah, and and that's just, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, I don't want to see it in the in the interest of wanting to see a train wreck. I want to see it in the interest of science. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what could have been, what almost yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, you know, it's it's fascinating. You can learn more from a failure than you can from a success. Um, so I've, I, there's always been one question that I've always come back to, and, and it was first posed to me. Uh, by my friend Steve Johnson, um, who works over at uh, the Q at CBC. And he asked me this when I first met him. He asked me this. How do Doc Brown and Marty McFly know each other? Uh-huh. I mean, does it? I, it's just, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter. It, no, it doesn't matter, but it's just one of those little, you're, you're sitting at the bar, you, as look, we often look, do, look, look, look. one of those riddles. Of, Here, here's the thing, is that... This in is, your world, in, in, in Corey's... You know, background files, <laughs> character development of Back to the Future. How do these two two characters I know have, each other? I've never, never even thought of I've it. I've never. It's not that I've never thought of it. It's that I've never even bothered to come up with a theory because okay. because it's one of those great details in the movie that kind of makes the movie because there's something so zany about the idea of this like already zany like weird old scientist guy hanging out with a high school student mm-hmm. who like 
it's not like he's some overachiever who's no. You know, it's not like he's going for extra credit or for extra help. Right. No. It's just it's just a weird detail. It's the kind of detail that like a great movie just lives or dies by. Okay. You know, if it hadn't, if there was some ex, if they had started the movie and there was some explanation for why they're hanging out, like maybe he got suspended or something and he had to go work for so that kind of explanation would just ruin the movie. Of course it would. Completely ruin the movie. But so so you got not you 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 in your world you don't even want to go down that nah. route. Fisher, you got anything? <laughs> well the way I think of it, and I, I've never actively really thought of it because I just accept it. Because yeah. their chemistry is their chemistry as characters and their chemistry as actors is so genuine and so wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. It's almost paternal but not quite and there's such a sense of mutual respect and camaraderie between the two of them that it's just it's it's beautiful to see, it's beautiful to take in. So yes, I don't think that their relationship is really that the cat the catalyst of their relationship is really significant but i also think of it in terms of i mean i have there's one friend that i can think of who is she's a middle-aged woman who um her name is adriana she i met her through she was like the pseudo aunt of an ex-boyfriend of mine and he he was living with her and her husband at the time when we were dating and i would go by all the time and i absolutely loved her and her husband they're just wonderful geeky people who just got me and when my ex and I split up I was devastated to not be able to see them anymore and this has been now like four or five years and I'm still in touch with her and we're actually planning on going for dinner sometime soon and so we have that kind of you know minus time travel in the DeLorean (laughs) we have that kind of a relationship so I just genuinely think that you know age it's it's a real testament to the notion that age is nothing but a number right. and that circumstance doesn't necessarily need to be crystal clear to dictate how relationships are forged they forge out of chance yeah. they forge out of circumstance i mean it reminds me of, reminds me of my relationship with you uh, Ryan. <laughs> shut up uh, no no hold on <laughs> see it's okay so i well you know we weren't alive when this came out i, so I really, know you're our yeah 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 let, me, yeah let me tell you about life in 1983 you know minus the kids. being right about things gather around i'll tell you about life before remote controls um it was and i do remember them um so do i i have two theories One's easy, one's dumb and convoluted. And before I even get to them, this to me kind of comes down to the whole uh, idea of nitpicking. Like, I feel like if this movie was released now, that would be one of the things that came up of, how do these two people even know each other? And we would just destroy it before its opening weekend is even out. But we've now gone 30 years and people don't even think about it. Um, So the easy answer is Marty Walks Einstein. My my, my real easy answer is, because we don't see Marty with any kind of a job, He's 17, but obviously he needs money. Marty is Einstein's dog walker. That was my thought. It was at one point or another, Marty said, hey, I'm going to respond to this ad. I'm just going to go walk this guy's dog. That's that's conceivable. Because sure. Doc Brown seems like he would just be so into his work that he would not necessarily stop to go out and walk the dog. Or he'd be off doing whatever he needs to do. He can invent an automated dog feeder. He probably could. Yeah, as he The really messed up association between the two is when this little time paradox loop began. It had Doc seek Marty out by the time yeah, they get I've, to 1985. I've heard that. I've heard that. One. That's that's the long yeah. and convoluted re- reason, which probably does not completely hold up. Well, I mean, t- time loops never really hold up. Exactly. But it, I mean, theory is. But that that's in that's theory. that's the long and convoluted and not all that plausible. I'm just gonna go with he walks the dog. Fair enough. So that that was my thought, but it's just if one of those you, things I, I always hey, I ask hey, people. If you have to put a title on it, go ahead. 
Okay. But well, next time we're at pub night, that's going to be like the question for the table. I want to see like who, who can come up with a better answer. Speaking than of that. fan theories, did you guys see the uh, amazing video this week about how uh, Back to the Future? Predicted September 11th. I, I saw what? that, and no. yeah, I saw that, and like, it's... I, I just had to. What? When we're done here, <laughs> look this up. It's it, it made my week. It's like <laughs> it's so brilliant. It's it's, it's this, absurd. It's this amazing video that's clearly a like a parody of truther videos and 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 I guess movie nitpicking videos, but it like makes the connection of like the the uh, Twin Pines Mall like Muslim terrorists oh and like God. all these things. <laughs> meanwhile, but, no, meanwhile, but, wait, wait, you know, wait. sound and sight can't stay around, but we've got stuff like but this it, to keep it, us it, happy. It, it gets even it gets even crazier by the fact that like uh, Zemeckis on the like thirty years in the future, the you know, back to the future anniversary, he has a movie out about the Twin Towers. And like all this crazy stuff, and how how uh, how Philip Philip Petit in the movie uh, is dressed the same way as Marty McFly is at the end of Back. I hadn't even thought. Okay, okay, you you need to see this video. It's it's incredible. There's there are not enough hours in the day. You got to watch it. Um, I laughed so hard, so much. So you know, in rewatching the movie this week, which we all did, right? Pretty much. I know you can you can pretty much quote it by verse. I know you you Uh, rewatched it. Yes. I, I, don't to, I don't need to. I don't need. Well, see, actually, that's kind of the cool thing about doing this is I knew I didn't need to give you guys homework. I rewatched them for the sake of saying, "Hey, let's put this on for the millionth time." Yeah, yeah. I've and been that's, watching that's the these cool movies thing. Like, since I was like three years yeah. old. They are so ingrained in my exactly. skull that I do not remember for seeing them. But the I what, can recite them the forwards one thing and backwards in the dark. I came back to this week when I when I did rewatch it um, for something that I'll tell you about later. Is the 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 core conceit of this plot, where Marty goes back in time and messes with his own timeline by splitting up his parents, and endearing Lorraine Bates to himself, is twi- it's twisted in like a Greek level. Oh yeah. Well, famously, why Disney didn't want to do it, right? But how, like, how, like how? Because did... it was a little ed- edible. Very a little. Like the, the, well, he doesn't want to kill his father. No, no, but yeah, I was so gonna say minus he's, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's a little. It's not all. It's only a little. Here's the crazy. Slightly like, a little. He also doesn't want to get with his mom. Yes. No, but his mom is chasing after him, and really hard too, mm-hmm. right? Like she's not being coy about it in any way, shape, or form. It's the Florence Nightingale. I, 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 it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would this could this film be like? I I know we're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're obviously like, you know, this is seems tame by comparison now when, you know, teenagers are doing way more on way less time, but could this movie be made now? Like would this no. How did how that did that happen? Nice yeah, both like both. There. How did it happen that in 1985 everybody said, "Yeah, okay," but because now Because not saying, everybody did. They went through so many years of trying to get this movie made and everybody and their mother said no. They finally had to actually again. It all a lot of this comes back to Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg they had got to get. Made. Yeah, he 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 okay. kind of leaned a little and and helped to get it made. They didn't want to use his help, but they did. So with that in mind, though, Spielberg yeah. at the time, how did they get Spielberg? I think of him as very very wholesome, and certainly yeah. at the time, you know, they, yeah, yeah, but, but Spiel, no. he's wholesome. Incorrect. This incorrect. Is, no, this is right after it's, it's he's a, he's but right yes, after That's a false understanding because he's, look he's, at the look at the type of dialogue that's in ET. Uh, and and actually, the but there's pretty, a difference the between jokes and we got a movie about where your mom is trying sure, to show. Sure, sure, but, but but at the same time, he's the he is the godfather of movies with kids with daddy issues. 
He the, so this that is, is a everything kid with, a, and with every... mommy issues, and it's that mommy wants to get in his Calvin's. Well, yeah, mommy wants to get in his Calvin's. This is not a kid with daddy of... issues. This kid's daddy issues is daddy okay, has a Okay, where's Elliot's dad? No idea. Exactly, and the thing is, is that we're led no, but to we're talking about that... this movie. I, I, yes, I, I, but, I get... you're, but he was coming. Spielberg was coming off of E.T. when he started backing this. He had okay. that credibility. Sure, but you're saying that he's an, an incredibly wholesome person. This kid's got his mom dressing up as a slutty Catwoman for Halloween. His dad's conceivably totally MIA. He's being raised by this woman, left alone to run amok wherever the hell he wants. There's a lot of not-so-wholesome things there if you really look at it. In E.T.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay. So, but... As one example that was, you know... But there's still a huge jump between that and mom wants to get him. Like, okay, okay, okay. But here's two things to that. Sure. The first is that I don't think that E.T. would be made the same way no, today. Wouldn't. No. Um, as, as we've seen. It just, or, or stuff like Goonies, which has kids saying shit and stuff like that. And, you it, know, who In guys, the opening of the movie. That would not happen. That days. wouldn't happen for other reasons. But I mean, even yes. just the simple vulgarity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Would not, it would not be a thing. In the 80s, it was somehow sort of acceptable. PG-13 kind of killed a lot of that. But then the other thing is that, that you know, Zemeckis and Gale, but also Spielberg, understood that the, the creepiness played the right way would not come off as creepy. It exactly. would come off as funny. Okay. It's how you, know you handle I mean? material. It's how you but, handle it. Yeah. So that maybe that's a credit to Leah Thompson, and she goes just far enough without really going over the line. It's, it's a, credit a credit to, to Bob and uh, to the yeah. Bob. But no, but it's, it's, it's everything. It's it, that that's writing, it's, directing, and yeah. it's also it's, you know it's, it's like we were saying. It's, it's like we were yeah. saying with Eric Stoltz. If you gave that part to Elizabeth Shue, she may not have been able to nail it. But you give right. that to Leah Thompson, and she's just she's very apple pie, and, and that's and maybe that's part of it is because it is. Yeah. because she seems like right up until the moment where we see her in that prom dress, mm-hmm. like she seems so very bright eyed and bushy tailed yeah. that the actual right. implication of what she's well, trying to do, <laughs> even even her dirty thoughts, which come early, seem to come from a place of like wholesome, endearing. Your pants you know, are over there on my hope chest. Yeah, it's well, like, yeah, <laughs> like it's it's coming from a place of you know. A little bit of naivety if, and kind of if this was if this but... was like uh, you know Toby Hooper's version, it probably wouldn't, <laughs> it probably wouldn't have worked. You no, know? no. You look at Poltergeist, and that that has a whole different yes. vibe, you know. But why have you know as this like kids nowadays they they're exposed to so much more, and you know as much as we try to stop it, there's just no stopping it. So what has changed in between '85 and now that this movie wouldn't get made with the mom trying to get with the kid? Because. Just no studio, you're you're going down with no studio would go for it. One, no studio would go for it. And two, no studio would go for it because no audience would allow it. You, you parents are thinking like yeah. you and going, this is this is raunchy yeah. material. This is too cumbersome. Blah, 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 blah. And they would just get all PC about it and not want any kid to look at it. Yeah. And you forget about the fact that we were subjected to shit like this when we were kids. And ultimately... That it didn't do anything bad to us. It no. allowed us to handle pa- material parents, that that spoke to us like adults. Par- parents, uh, yeah, I, I think it's not just the adult thing. It's that that parents have been lulled by. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, like the Disney Renaissance kind of screwed things up because it gave uh, the parents at the time this like super. Uh, you know, G-rated family entertainment that became the norm for what a kids' movie was. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a way that you previous mean like Disney pre-Lassiter? movies. Like pre 
Like you're talking like Little Mermaid, pre last I mean, I mean Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, those, and then including the Pixar yeah, movies, okay. which the Pixar movies have a bit more adult stuff. Yes. But again, they don't go into the the vulgar kind of area. That well, but there's a difference there. Now we're treading a very fine line between you know what is mature content, vulgarity, or emotionally complicated content, and that's something that Pixar did recognize, even if they weren't embracing vulgarity. And I don't think you need vulgarity to have emotionally complex sure, content. Sure, but this is what I mean about lulling in, which is that it gives parents this this false idea that, oh, we can protect our kids. Our kids don't need to be exposed to any vulgarity, which, you know, parents have had these ideas time in, in memoriam, but it became more possible. It became, and again, the PG-13 rating facilitated Sweet that, where parents are able to just say like, look, kids' movies are PG movies, which fit into a certain thing. They don't have swearing, they don't have this, they don't have that, they don't have anything, like not just mature content in terms of dealing with death, but like dealing with sex. You know, mm-hmm. you would never see a Pixar movie that has no. anything like anything vaguely like that. Sex? The closest that you get is stuff like Shrek, uh, which are all double entendres that the kids don't understand anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. But nothing forward. Or, or like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think the only, the, you know, the only movie that Speaking I've seen, the only movie true. I've seen deal with that of late, of, with the kinds of themes as uh, as Back to the Future was Seventeen again, which is like very blatantly Back to the Future homage, where the daughter is in love with with her dad as a young kid well what was that movie with uh, meg ryan a few with years the, ago uh, kate, was was it kate and leopold is that the movie i'm thinking of with meg ryan and uh hugh jackman, jackman yeah. mm-hmm. where they actually had to rewrite it because he was supposed to be her grandfather sent back into time and he kind of had a thing for her mm-hmm. and they're like no no no, we can't do this this mm-hmm. is absurd and that was way after back right. to the future so right. no you're right they're, yeah, they're, yeah. studios are gun shy to do this kind of thing mm-hmm. and, and studios were gun shy then i think part of it is you know we don't really want to do the math when it comes to our parents like i would be fascinated now to go back and see what my parents were like at at age 17. i would give my right arm to see what my dad was like at 17. (laughs) i do not want to go back at 17 and see what my parents were like at 17. i don't want to kind of be in the social circle and kind of see all that trickling down it's it's like it's a that kind of thing of you know, you know where you came from, but you don't really want to think about where you came from. No. So that's where the line was for something like Kate and Leopold, for people to be of the same age at the same time who are not supposed to be. That's where it kind of really falls apart. Yeah. You know, it's not go. Well, it's it's not going of... back into time well, and but, seeing what happened. But, it's going back in time and being on a pod. But also look at look at what you're identifying. You would still want to see that about your parents. Back to the Future is not a kids movie. No. No. Do you know what I mean? It's. A family movie, yeah, right. But that's the thing. I don't. I don't want to go see them as a kid. I want to go see them now. Now that I could look at them as kids. True, true. But what I mean more is, and more what, every what year. What I mean is when you look at you look at a movie like Back to the Future, and it's not um, the definition of a family movie at the time was very different. Yeah. It was a movie that was for adults that kids could just as easily watch. Yes. Whereas now it's a movie for kids that, that parents won't shoot themselves in the head having to sit through. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's so like it's bo- flipped. And and we've lost a whole genre of movies. They don't make movies like E.T. No. anymore. They just no. don't exist. No. Well, no, because we, I could swear we were talking about this on one of on one of your episodes where I was saying, uh, yeah, we were talking about it on the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode because we were talking about adventure movies and we were saying, have kids lost the ability to imagine? And, nice. uh, you know, and we were saying that because they don't really make movies like 
Indiana Jones and like uh, Jewel of the Nile and um, Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't yeah. make movies like that as much anymore. They don't make the adventure movies, so kids don't really play adventure. So yeah, I don't think kids would watch this kind of movie and well, really gravitate also, towards it because it's not... But again, look, but at, also, look at Indiana look at, Jones. Look at Indiana Jones. Look at Romancing the Stone. Look at Jewel of the Nile. Movies they're for not adults. designed. They're movies for adults. We were lucky to have seen them as kids but because they were, our parents but they were, were all, a little bit more loose. Right, our but parents, they were all playing off that Saturday morning serial that was geared at kids. Ish, but not really. You know, it, it's, it's echoing it's, an even older I think, generation. I think with that, that becomes a bit of a chicken or the egg. Is it, you know, what came first? The adventure movie or the, the adventure mm-hmm. cartoon? In a lot of cases, or the kids having adventures out in the backyard. I think the biggest impetus there is that our parents at the time, unless they had a really big stick, which right up there, were a bit more, you know, relaxed about things. They were coming out of a generation that was, you know, they were the baby boomers. They came out of a generation that was very serious, all about war and survival, and especially if you were of certain nationalities. And I know my parents, my grandparents, who were in the war, there was, you know, everything was very serious, very harsh. and ugh. So our parents, as a result, were a bit more lax, were a bit more kind of easygoing. Life is what it is. Let kids be treated as adults and they'll grow into adults. They were thinking mm-hmm. about the people that they were making, not about the children they were protecting because you don't need to protect children. They will grow and develop as they right. are yeah. meant to do. Well, and now yeah, parents well, are back into that shielding mentality. Which is weird like, because these are the- poor delicate little yeah. ears. I've, Those I've, ears will I've grow, spoken, they'll be fine. I've spoken to people who are parents who are waiting to show their kids back to the future uh, like age. actively waiting for yeah. an older age. Like what are the what, what sort of ages are they waiting? For? You know, thirteen. Yeah, around there. Really? Because, because there's a lot of swearing, and these are people who consider saying "damn" swearing. And Back to the Future has a heck load a lot of dams. Yeah. It's like every other sentence has has them saying "damn," and they're like, I, "I don't want my kids exposed to like this kind of uh, this kind of talking." I'm like, "What century are we living in?" Yeah. 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 You know, what it's... access do they have to information? What is on their television after eight o'clock? Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. Speaking of these generations, um, I, I was when I watched the movie this week. I was also thinking about how it's aged really, really well, considering really well. considering the movies of its ilk. Like a lot of the, um, the when I I did a series back on the site years ago where I got people to watch like pop culture staples for the first time. I had to like actively, and I just ran out of staples. Mm-hmm. Was what happened. But I like I found somebody who had never seen Back to the Future. I was like, do me a favor, watch it. And we'll talk about it. I'm just going to turn it into a little like conversational post. And the woman who I had watch it said that it had actually held up better than a lot of the 80s movies, like John Hughes kind of movies, because it didn't feel as it didn't feel quite as retro. And when I thought about it, one of the kind of quiet geniuses of this movie is because it gets out of 1985 so quick and spends all its time back in 1955, it kind of, not kind of, it becomes this really nice little time capsule, timeless piece that that work, that doesn't get hung up in technology and fashion of 1985. Well, essentially, it winds up being a bit of a period piece, all three of them, when you think about it. None that of them one, take That place. one the most. That one the I, I, the, the Western, about it. Sure, the, West, it. the Western one too, but I mean... The Western one, absolutely. The well, third one the, the third one takes place in 1885. The first one takes place in 1955. And the, the second one takes place in 1955 and in 2015. But and at that point, 30 years ahead in the future. And both of them are so far yeah. removed from the 80s that you could disassociate from, oh, this was spent, made in the 80s, but the therefore you, you, it must you be you also dated. You also can't forget that 1985 is a time period in the movie for plot reasons yeah. and one of the things that they do in the movie in part um, one in all, in all of, in all of yeah. them but one of the things that they do let's say in the first movie 
is that they sort of heighten some of, like, it's like Zemeckis was looking at 80s culture at the time. Not really. Like, that, that's actually one of the things, I, I know where you're going with this, that is actually one of the things I noticed is that there's not as much quaint little 1985s as, there's a bunch, and they get they get them out there real quick. Like, there's the porno theater, and there's the, sure. the Jazzercise studio, and uh, there's like a zillion and one Diet Cola. But that's, but that's not, but that's, that's... Not where you're going? So, not exactly. So what okay. I'm saying is, you look at a movie like Breakfast Club. Yeah. It, it ages because you look at it and you're like, first of all, teens n- never have spoken that way. So, <laughs> yes. so you're like, okay, this is, you know, now nobody would write it because they try and make it more real. So there it's dated. But then on top of that, just the fashion is like ridiculous and whatever. And you're like, I'm supposed to buy into this as, as some kind of real drama. And it becomes more and more difficult over time for some people. Something like Back to the Future makes 1985 a plot element. So what it does is it has all of those elements and it points them out. Okay. And then you get to 1955 and each one has a 1955 analog. Right. So every single thing in 1985 is there, like Zemeckis is going, okay, what's a pop culture thing in 1985? I'm going to put in the movie so that it has a payoff in 1955. And 55 itself is like this weird... You know, it's supposed to be, let's look under the curtain of what people were actually like. But the surface, the visual surface of it is very, like, it's heightened and, you know, it's like Pleasantville kind of it's stuff. A, yeah, it's, it's yeah. very much Pleasantville, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's great because, yeah, because 85 is really just there as a plot device that you're just going to spend two-thirds of the movie back in 55. It allows this movie to age amazingly. It also just looks fantastic. I mean, the the... You want to get into like really nitty gritty stuff, but like the film stocks that they chose to use uh, were much more classical film stocks that were more expensive and held up much better than a lot of the other '80s movies. Which you look at them and you're like, some of them look like crap. That, yeah, it's like they even at the time they kind of looked like crap. They looked oh, like yeah. the '80s, you know. Yeah. Whereas Back to the Future somehow doesn't look. It looks it, really good. It just looks like a well-made film, and, right. and it looks ageless. Right. A- ageless. Ageless. Yeah. The only thing that that like really shows off when it was made is some of the special effects, and those even look good for their time. Mm-hmm. The fi- uh, like they the hold fire- up quite yeah, well. Yeah. It's in the first one. It's mostly the fire trails behind the car. Well. And yeah. and the car taking off. The second one, you can really see the wires. The only but, well, the only one that I can, the, the only special effect that I ever think of. In all three films, that actively kind of makes me ooh is his hand at the end of the first one. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. He's kind when of because like, it's so like... obviously not his hand because it's coming from a weird angle. Yeah, and it just looks, and that's one of the only special effects that they say gave them the biggest issue throughout <laughs> yeah. all of yeah. filming. Even you know when they, and I don't remember the name of the camera, but when they used a special camera to yes, shoot right. Michael J. Fox in Multiple four times. different people in the same scene. You know, when he's he's himself, he's his son, he's his daughter, and yeah, he's himself. Yes. Yeah, himself, himself son, daughter. Himself, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. that computer daughter. computerized rig where they could repeat he, the camera moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's a little. Spotty. And it was a special camera. I don't remember what it was called, but there was a certain camera yeah, that yeah, they yeah. had built with this rig. Yeah, it was like a full full on yeah, thing a that huge they did. massive. That now would just be like, oh, no big deal. Yeah. But those those worked seamlessly. Yeah. Actually, I've had a few interesting incidences with people, actually with Bob, with my boyfriend, who we were watching. This was maybe a year ago. We were watching part two, and I'm like, it's so funny seeing Michael J. Fox in drag. And he's like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> didn't His daughter is, is played by Fox. him. And he's like, no, you're, you're joking. <laughs> you're, you're messing with me. Like, no, totally. Look. 
Yeah. And he looks a little closer and he's like, oh my God. Yeah. And he's been watching this movie a lot. Yeah. He doesn't love it quite like I do, but yeah. And kind of this, whoa. Yeah. How, many, how many times did you watch it before you noticed Billy Zane? Um, I always noticed Billy Zane. I wondered why the guy in Titanic looked so familiar. You're so right. goddamn young, son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so, that's true. I mean, that would have been that would have been where I noticed. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, wait yeah. a second. All right, all right. So the, it, the, the, the last point on the first film, because we will get to the second one before the show gets too too long, that I was front and center for me this week um, is that beautiful score. And the reason why that was front and center is on uh, on Saturday I went to the screening of it at Roy Thompson Hall where they have the Toronto Symphony Orchestra play the score Mm -hmm. along Mm -hmm. with it Um, the the moment actually it's funny that you're mentioning the hand because the moment that I really became aware of how wonderful that score is is at the dance when the score swells up under Earth Angel because it's playing pardon the pun in concert with a song it's the only moment where the score really really undercuts a song on the soundtrack the diegetic and yeah. the non-diegetic yeah everything else yeah everything else is you know score yeah. drops and song comes up and that kind yeah, of thing but, but it's that moment blends. where it swells in beautifully at the end while they're dancing and they're kissing and it's lovely and every time it, it like makes stands me up cry. And like, yeah, yeah like I mean I got misty listening like the, the, the symphony it's just so great I know yeah. but here's <sighs> the crazy thing uh, you know this is where I'm gonna be the old guy saying they don't make them like that anymore for cash and prizes hum me the theme for the Avengers well, I mean, it doesn't have one. It has one. We sure, no. sure, it has one. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might. I'm pretty sure it's even composed by the same dude. No, no. Is, is the the Avengers one is not also composed by Sylvester? Uh, oh, maybe actually. But here's the thing: like so many movies now, they're either doing the as much as I dig the original version of it, they're either doing this weird Inception drums and droning you know seriousness they've kind of lost the ability to write a melody going back to adventure movies the last melodic one that i can hum goes back more than 10 years now and it's the pirates of the caribbean score as far as a big it is an amazing score to be fair yeah so and and also i mean it's pretty derivative the pirates one or this one the pirates one yeah the pirates one derivative of other yeah the pirates one is also it's 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 gladiator just changed with a few with a few notes but this one this one, the, the score in this one is a character into itself. Like you can, you can hum it, and people will know what you're humming. Sure, you can there, even, but there's also you, a reason for that. Why? Hit me. I mean, uh, Zemeckis ta- has talked about this, where it's like he knew that ultimately the movie is really just like a silly comedy. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is. It's just a comedy. But you throw in a few special effects, and you throw in a really amazing, memorable, bombastic score, and suddenly you have like this great big movie that. F- it doesn't feel like it's just a comedy. No, this is like the difference. Elevated. This is the difference between that movie and Seventeen again, which is like again, it's like beat for beat, very similar plot, but it is played just like a comedy, and it just comes across as a comedy. Or to use like a modern equivalent, like uh, let's use like a, a a successful modern comedy. It's the difference between one of the many, but it's one of the differences between that and The Hangover. Between sure, but between, between Back to the Future and The Hangover, there are many. But, that's, a, you know, that's a broad leap. But I'm saying it's a you're just making you're making a successful <laughs> sure. comedy. You're making sure. a movie that's absurd that you think if you do this, this, and this, it'll be a success. You know, you're sure. not looking to reinvent the wheel. You're just looking to make a comedy and make some money off it. Right. You know, one of the things is if you do it with some craft, and hey, if you do it with a melody underneath it that people are going to hum along, 
I can't think like com comedies. The only scores these days in comedies that really stick are the ones that are done by Disney Pixar. Meanwhile, I can also still in my head hum the theme from The Full Monty because it was a comedy that put this plucky little score underneath. And here's what you're now, please. Here's here's where you're wrong. Doubly wrong now, right? Um, and with like, I get what you're trying to say, but The Hangover is the type of comedy that can't be anything else. <clears throat> the, the Hangover is the type of comedy that shows up to the parties like, hey, I'm the funny guy, time to laugh. You have Back to the Future. You have The Full Monty. They're not comedies. They're dramas with comedic elements. They're family films with comedic elements. They're mm. funny in their own right, but that's not their only trait. You look at something like Back to the Future, and yes, it has comedic elements, but above and beyond anything else, it's maybe more of a comedic drama. It's a comedic family film. It's a something that's right. an amalgamation of different it's categories. A, well, that, that was that was uh, well, that minus. was that was Zemeckis's intent. Exactly. Minus, was Which like is what this I was could get at. this could just be a silly comedy that people will forget after they see it, yeah. but it ends up not. And no. the score is a huge part of it. And the direction, too. I mean, it's a fantastically directed movie. And even looking at, you know, what you were saying earlier about, well, I'd love to be able to go back and see my parents now. Now that I'm old enough to be able to say, to be able to look at them as an adult, yeah. that you would love to be able to see what your parents were like when they were teenagers. Yeah. And that's one of the fundamental things that the Bobs really wanted to bring to the foreground was this. And it, it, it all started because they looked at... Uh, I can't remember which Bob, I think it was Gail's uh, dad's yearbook. And he was like student body president or something. Yeah. And they, th he was absolutely dumbfounded and could not fathom like, what? This was, no, my dad's not a sociable guy. He doesn't do <laughs> these things. He totally right. keeps to himself. And it hit him. And he had this whole idea of what if you could go back in time and hang out with your parents when they were kids. Yeah, what right. would that be like? What did you miss? What didn't you see? And I think we have that in all of us. We have that yeah. kind of innate curiosity of, you know, when we're young and our parents are telling us, you can't do that because you're not allowed. You're a kid, not under my roof. And you're like, man, you never had to deal with things like this. And then, you know, you grow up and you kind of realize, ha they were lying right. to me. Yeah. Those are the kinds of underpinnings that, like, I mean, it makes me think of, you know, something like Freaks and Geeks. Which, yes. which again, also nice could, have, could have just been a high school like silly comedy, totally goofy, and could have been that. And there have been shows that were that. Yeah. But Freaks and Geeks, you know, uh, coming off of something like uh, My So Called Life, to sort of taking the mantle, was like, no. What if we apply these other things? These just a degree of nostalgia, a degree of of just understanding who these kids are as people. Suddenly, it's something much more than just mm. a comedy. Yeah. And very, you know, act good tie-in with the affinity. Right. Yes. Done. Which helps. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back because there is a whole other movie that we still need to talk about uh, right after this. <laughs> So, of course, this film is not a standalone property. It spawned a sequel. Uh, okay, so you've got the little Bible there next to you. Was the, the was the sequel always intended? No. Uh, no. It was just it their was little not. It was just their little win. Well, it, it, uh, what happened was they made the first film, and they didn't actually, I think we can all remember when we finished watching it, unless we saw it in theaters on its original release. At Which the I end did of the not, film, even though I'm older than you both. Yeah, 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 we get it, Grandpa, all right? <laughs> we all remember seeing at the end of the film 
unless unless we saw it in theaters, was to be continued. Right. That was not at the end of the film right. in theaters. They didn't add that until the VHS. And they took release. it off the DVD. They did. did yes, they? Yeah, I yeah. heard that. They did. They took it off. But the th- they didn't initially plan on making a sequel. What had happened was it was so successful and everybody loved it so dearly that they said, "Give us a sequel. Give us a second one." Right. And so they were like hemming and hawing and I don't know and it depends on a lot of factors and they had to get their key cast back and Michael J. Fox couldn't, agreed couldn't and Leah Thompson agreed yeah. and they couldn't get Crispin Glover because he's an odd duck and there's a lot of stuff there. We'll get back to him. We'll get back to Crispin whom a friend of mine used to call Crispix Glover. We had a joke about Crispix. It's a weird, <laughs> weird story. But anyways. That's all I'm ever going to call <laughs> That's him. That's all Ever now. again. Crispix Glover. Yes. Um, and then they started writing the sequel. And yeah, they because were, they got everybody yeah, in, yeah. and it started out, and it was just one thing after another after another, bleeding into the third, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. called Paradox. And Paradox, the working title of the sequel, was the entirety of yeah. parts two and three combined. Yeah, you can actually find that script online. There's yeah, the, I've heard. The, the kind of original, and it's it's very close to where the sort of finalized script before they completely split into two. It's just one script and it's both movies. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And yeah. it's and it's very true to, I mean, they went through a lot of edits after the fact, but basically everything's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the entire conceit about Doc going back to 1885 because of being accidentally struck by lightning and things were you know, going wrong and everything, it's all in there. And then they realized that if they wanted to do it successfully, they'd have, it, it would be about anywhere from four to six hours I think they guesstimated the whole the whole project so they realized let's split it in two and, and just and do it as two films and they shot it concurrently yeah they did the uh, they were the original Matrix Reloaded Revolutions even did the same release strategy yeah yeah of a year yeah. apart yeah because one oh, yeah, was one, yeah, at the time. yeah one was, was like uh, one was November the and then part the two was, was November summer. and the next one was the yeah. next summer yeah. and this was long because there was even footage of part three tacked on to the end of two yes. so it said to be concluded yeah. and then and, you saw and they like, the added and, all that and they added the footage at the end because test audiences did not react well to the fact that part two left them on a cliffhanger yeah, uh, yeah. people didn't like that wow. they didn't react very well to it so they were like okay well let's let them know mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And since then, I think part two. I mean, part two is still fairly divisive. I know a lot yeah, of people I mean, really I like. Have, part I have two. sort of mixed mixed opinion. Part of the problem with part two, and again, the Bobs have talked about the trouble that the ending got them into. They were they're like, look, everybody thinks that that we planned to have a sequel. If we had planned to have a sequel, we wouldn't have written the ending the way that we did of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Because in the, the end of the first movie, it's just a lark. Like the fact that Doc comes back and is like or and marty's like uh what did we become assholes or something no something's got to be, be done, done about, about your kids, kids. like th- that's not a plot it's just a joke it's, yeah. it's just a joke yeah. but when you have to then string it into a plot and also include jennifer and also like part of the problem with part two it's it feels i don't it's not the longest of i think it's the shortest of them but it it feels it feels the longest long. i don't actually of it, all the things I know about them, I can't honestly the say what the runtime is. It's the one that's the most compartmentalized because the other one, it starts in 85 and then it goes back to 55 and we stay. Part three starts in 55, goes back to 1885 and we pretty much stay aside from a little coda at the end. Yeah. This yeah. one jumps all over the place almost in three very separate acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got very little fluidity to it. Right. And yeah, you've got and this. The, and the and, first yeah, act. And the oh first yeah, act by the way, like... we're folding the timeline in upon itself because we've now just completely erased everything yeah. you knew from the first movie. It's also got the problem of the first act is basically trying to justify 
the first the end the, of the, the first the movie. end of the first movie. Yeah. And there's not like you can see the contortions, the fact that they leave Jennifer on like the 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 porch of the house and like all these well, things. But uh, but ultimately that works into it because realistically you didn't need to get her. It, things would change around her. Sure, it does. But what I mean is that it it's it's one of those things where had they known they were gonna write a sequel, they probably would have eased into it where things would be a bit more tidy. You know, yeah. they, they wouldn't need like the contortions. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think part two suffers a bit from that. There's there's a few like every time I watch it, as much as I enjoy it, and the conceit of it is fantastic of jumping of using time travel in a sequel to jump into the plot of the first like that's amazing but there it's just a few too many contortions here and there sure um i I, you know now i think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about 2015 in the in this in the scope of this movie because that really is why we're here um, you know, it's it's so clearly one. You said it's an absurd version of 2015 because you said I can't possibly see it. Yeah. Because 20, like the future at the time, strangely enough, for the 80s was being portrayed very, very bleak. Like when you think about movies like Blade Runner, Runner and, and Road Warrior, it was like end times were coming after the turn of the century. And this is one that says, no, we're fine. We're candy colored. The cars are flying. Everybody's happy. Everything's good. Everything's way better than it would be. You've got, you know, all the consumption that you have in the 80s, just more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Vanity has improved with, you know, more accessible plastic surgery, which actually wasn't too far I was going to say, the crazy thing is some stuff in there is not far off. Nope. You know, they, so we've got the TVs. We've got, in to, to a certain degree, we've got the glasses with the TVs in them. They also got the obsession with 80s culture. Obsession correct. with 80s culture, well, you now know? Well, moved into the 90s. True, it's yeah. Yeah, true. yeah. I was I, in Urban Outfitters earlier today, and I'm looking around going, Jesus Christ, my, I've stepped my, into the time warp. My barista was talking about how she has a, a nostalgia for her dad playing Matchbox 20. And I was like, what, what? the hell? What? Yeah, I was what like, What year Whoa. were you born? Uh, she was born in 95, I did oh, do no, Slater. Oh, no, she shouldn't be but, talking. She should be in diapers. But there's that, but I'm like, I'm not like, even that much older than her, and that feels wrong. I know. I had, right? a, conver- <laughs> I had a conversation with a kid a couple weeks ago. Does he like he was born in, He was born in 2003. No. Oh, and I'm carrying a conversation no. with him. And I'm like, this, you should this be isn't crawling. Right. How this does it feel? Right. How does it feel? Uh, Payback's a bitch, ain't yeah. it? Um, so this, this is a family show. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> easy now. Um, aside from the fact that they're flying, the design of the cars is actually. It's not tremendously far off. If you change change no. a couple things like the wheel wells and that kind of thing, they got the sleek roundedness of the way most of our cars are now. Like especially compared to how they were in '89, they were way boxier mm-hmm. back then. So mm-hmm. if you look at you look at them now compared to like you know a Kia or mm-hmm. a, you know a Corolla or something like that, they're not. Or even um, the cop car actually kind of looks like a souped up Aztec. Mm-hmm. Do they even still make the Aztec? No, no. But you, but you would recognize one to see one. Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah, it's, it looks, it looks, it looks it like one out. of the one of the yeah. most hideous cars ever made. That I was in love with at one point. Oh wow! Yeah, no, wow. everybody thought it was nuts. You know, that's why they get, made that Walter White's car. Why? Oh, because it was because absurd. it was so hideous. Yeah, yeah. Like just it was, a, that, it was a representative of just how low that guy was. It, he yeah. he strikes me as the kind of guy who would either drive like that, a Beetle, or a PT Cruiser. Oh, yeah, man. you know, yeah, yeah those kind of oh, cars. Yeah. Um, are we all bummed that we still have no harbor boards? Uh, we well, see, this is the thing that really tickles me is that some dude in the states invented a hoverboard that actually works. It's just a series of drones essentially that he's strapped together, and it works. That it on carries water, his weight, and it works on water. 
<laughs> it's got power. That's not it, fair. It's got power. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it works on water and it's a fucking you know freaking hoverboard. You know what's really annoying? These like these new Segway things that are not Segways because they don't have the handle. No, like, but they're just, just feet. On. But they're people, calling them hoverboards. People are calling them hoverboards, and I'm like, that's not a hoverboard. That's not a hoverboard. No, that's not a hoverboard. If, you have, fri- yeah, if no. you have friction, it, if, it if, if, it is in t- if it is in direct contact with the ground, it is not hovering. Crazy, crazy. And it is. But we have hoverboards that work, and the Cubs are starting to get closer towards the World Series. So let's look at that for a minute. That's, you know what? Huh? If that comes true, that will be... That... I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubbies. I wish well, I just in general, like, that you get a team that at that point was already, like, horribly inept and becomes even more ridiculously inept. And and that comes. What's the tally on them? Haven't haven't won a series in eight years. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, 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 exactly. Makes this put it this way: there are four teams left in the in the blue in the playoffs as we speak. The Blue Jays have won the World Series the most recently of the four that are left standing, and won yeah. in over a century. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it's kind of crazy that you go you look at some of these movies and when when you get into the tech, it's absurd, or or the world is not at all as it should be, and and that's yeah. the thing is it because they were looking at it from the point of view of the eighties, nineteen uh, two thousand fifteen is you know not at favorite, all. My favorite detail. What's that in, in that in that movie? The uh, in that back alleyway, yeah. the stacks of laser discs, <laughs> because apparently laser discs were going to be the uh, the, the future thing. the future of entertainment was laser discs. <laughs> that's that that's a really good point. Yeah, that's you can really ch- check it. It's really amazing. There's just boxes of laser. But even discs. like like when he goes to pay for the the Pepsi, and they're like, "Why don't you pay with your thumb?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and here we are. Like, if you pay, you go to pay cash at some places. They look at you like you've got like ten heads, and they're all green. Yeah, who carries um, cash? It's crazy. Well, okay, funny you should mention that. I there there's a new coffee shop that opened up at the top of my street from work, but their mm-hmm. their uh, their lines are down. Their um, phone lines are down. So for the past two weeks, they haven't been able to have their debit up and going, crazy. so they're cash only, and it's throwing a lot of people because they're like, oh geez, and you can see them like. Basically, Stumbling because they don't have yeah, can cash. I can I get you at lunchtime? I'll come yeah. back. I'll order more, and I won't have to break a ten. Uh-huh. They got Jaws nineteen wrong. They yeah. stopped at four. Four <laughs> Jaws movies was enough, I guess. But Jaws nineteen was really just. I mean. Well, I mean, it was an extrapolation. If they just had kept making Jaws movies, yes. you know, it, it, it would have got there. In and of itself, I think it was also a bit of a play on all the other movies, of which there are seven thousand. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, like we talk about now, how everything is franchised, and at the time, that's exactly what was going on. Is everything oh, yeah. was into fours and fives and sixes and sevens and Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. Police Academy, oh, all Police series. Academy. You know, any ev- of them. Everything was getting sequelized, so yeah. yeah, sure, take your swipe. And like sequelized to death. Even and now, of course, you know, there's the nice little wink of you have this happening within a sequel. Yes. It's like you know, let, let, let's throw some stones a little bit more. So you mentioned them earlier. How much does this movie and, and part three as well suffer because Crispin Glover? Crispin Glover? Because Crispin bailed out. It doesn't. No. No. I. You know what? I. It would. After it, after watching part one on the big screen this weekend, I really miss Crispin. Well, I really don't get really me wrong. miss him. I miss Crispin too. Crispin was amazing. He was phenomenal, and that's one thing that unanimously, no matter love him or hate him, every member of the cast and crew adored him for his ability they hated him as a person predominantly but sure. they but they adored him for his ability and he was capable but they i would i think that if they had stuck to the plot that they had wanted initially before they completely lost crispin 
then yes, it would have suffered. But okay, they so worked enla- it in enla- such a enlighten way. Enlighten us. Because from, from, well, I don't know what to that us is. From the Bible. Oh, you, it's the, not in the Bible? The, no, they don't talk about it. Probably oh. for the same reason that they won't release the footage of okay. Eric Stoltz is that it just it, it never was. Yet There's also some so. legal issues y- surrounding y- yes, it. Yeah. Okay. Yet, an- yet another thing now that I want to know in the interest of science. I know you don't know the answer, but that's one of those things that I'd love to know. They had they had their initial concept had much more involvement from... It George was very, McFly. very direct. I mean, look, that's why they had to. That's why they killed him off in the yeah. in, in the yeah. story. But he wasn't and, originally killed off, and it was no. all this stuff uh, apparently involving him. And then they just couldn't, they couldn't get him. Couldn't well, and, get then, him. and they, if they couldn't get Crispin, they didn't want to do it. And the fact is, is that this I don't again, I'm terrible with names. I don't remember his name, but the guy who wound up doing it, whom they had Crispin's prosthetics on, yeah. so he and looks then they very put weird. Him and then they put him upside down to really. And then they put him, but even in the younger, in the other scenes, like they didn't recycle the footage from 1955. They reshot it. Yeah, and but he's always shot from behind or beside from behind or whatever. Or from the side, but there's pictures in this book of him from the front, and he looks really weird, a little maskish. Yeah. Again, yeah. nice tie-in. With and that's the thing. Stuff, as, as, as soon as you realize that it's not him, it's one of those things that you know, like when somebody was asking me. Did I, when was the first time that I noticed it wasn't Elizabeth Shue? I can't remember how many times I watched part two when I noticed that's not Crispin Glover. That one did stick with me too. Oh, really? I didn't realize that it was. I didn't realize that it wasn't him, but it didn't matter because yeah. they had written the script in such a way that it didn't. His character just wasn't as relevant or as pertinent. So, you so just wait, so sorry. That he died. I'm the only person who misses him. Like I'm the only person who well, wanted I, him in two and three. I I, I miss him. I don't know about three because I don't know what their plans no, were three. for three. But the I know for two. Again, when I was a kid, I, it didn't phase me. But no. as an adult watching the movie, I can see the seams. Like I can see where they had trouble, where they were like they they kind of come up with a plot excuse, or they do these things that are a little bit like, okay, I'll give you a pass on that. Whereas that's why I mean, three I these days prefer to two, just because it's just a more straight even movie. Um, right, and it's nowhere close to one. No. but it's like it's just a really fun, pleasant movie i love you know. part three so it's funny because at the at the screening i was at with the where the symphony played the score to there was an intermission actually so when when um when lorraine says i don't know where he lives but i'm gonna find out it actually had an intermission card which out. would have been a commercial break it was yeah i was like i was like oh there's usually a coke yeah. ad right here um and it was it was just a great natural breaking point for an intermission yeah. too i was like holy crap i was like has this always been there because it feels totally like the right time to you know, run and grab a snack. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came so, back, uh, yeah, yeah. When they came back out of intermission, the the symphony played uh, an entr'acte, and it was the score from part three. Which, by the way, the score from part three is phenomenal. It was great, it's, but the uh, thing was, right through it, like the whole crowd was like, ah, like they gave a round of applause, like nobody was expecting that yeah. to be played, and everybody recognized it and thought it was wonderful. And it's just, it, yeah, it's part three is is right down to the fact that it's got its own unique piece of score is yeah. is much more compact but as marty mcfly's ancestors mm-hmm. it makes no sense because he would have if you're calling them the mcflies wait it, no it does make sense they would they would be descended from george here's where you're wrong no i'm not wrong yes you, you cannot are. i can i can grant you saying that they look like michael j fox absolutely positively oh. they should look like michael j fox because he should have some parts of that dna in him right sure Ryan, fine Ryan. wait let me get to it they should not look at all right like Leah Thompson one, because one, she's on one, the other side. One who cares too. I care. Maybe maybe given Leah Thompson's affinity for her own son in the first movie, they have a history of inbreeding. I don't know. Maybe 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 
that's the Bobs poking a little fun at how reticent everybody was to make the film in the first place. Uh, that the that the McFlys have had a long tendency to fall for women of this certain appearance, also and that they parents. are destined I, to I, fall I, for people reaching. who look like their mother. Look at Jennifer. Look at Jennifer. She looks like Leah Thompson. Not that much. She does enough that it can pass. Uh, enough that that's a through line. Oh, now see, you've got you've got to you've taken this very wholesome thing. It's and not. You've turned it into something very very. Filthy. How many times do we say you that are, we marry our parents? It's how many times we either become them or it is not <laughs> okay it is it is it is common in psychology it is we a either work around we either marry our parents or we become them quite often it happens both ways well, I was gonna say. there are things about our spouses that we love in many ways because they remind us of something comforting something nurturing usually our parents right either one of them but there's reminding and there's casting the same actor it yes also but doesn't Matter. It matters because I it's, miss him no, so much, and I want to see the Crispix Cowboy. Sure. Oh, I, that would be a wonderful the movie. Kid? Yes, <laughs> that would be a fabulous movie. Seriously, how much would you love that movie? I Maybe he's the complete opposite of George McFly. Maybe he's a badass, and George, you know, missed a chromosome or two. See, I think we got. I think we got a beautiful performance of George. I think we got enough of him, and I don't think. Knowing what I know about how difficult it was for them mm -hmm. with to work yeah, with him and how difficult he could be, that it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. The movie would have tilted it. But we it were, all, we're all here saying that part two is not really our favorite. If it had been, maybe, okay. maybe it would be. You guys are saying part two is, is not really your favorite. That's your favorite and, of the three? No, the third one is my favorite. But what? Favorite, not that I think is the best. Okay, favorite. all right. All you right. guys have expressed yeah. issues with the second one. Right. I have not. But I, I think that Crispin would have made it about him. And that's what he was trying to do. And that's why the Bobs eventually just said, screw it, we're done. Because he was trying to get more out of them and more out of the script to be about George. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way it goes. It's not about him. You can't have an egomaniac as a secondary character. It doesn't work. They screw things up and they ruin the film. So no, I don't miss him in part two, All and right. I don't miss him in part three. I, I miss him. Well, in part both. three, uh, part three is so great. Part three has like maybe my favorite sort of section of any of the three movies. Sure. Um, from a filmmaking standpoint, which is the the early section when it just like when the credits start playing and it just becomes like this quiet there's like that quiet music oh, and yeah. he's at the house and then and howdy like, doody comes on oh so beautiful that, it is that's, that's just wonderful three, three has a lot of those like quieter small moments three is so tender mm -hmm. there's something about three that's just so is it because it, we see a different side of doc in part but so much mm -hmm. about it is just it's a romance it's mm -hmm. a period mm -hmm. piece western romance yeah what's not to love and and fun fact First time uh, Christopher Lloyd ever had an on-screen kiss. He had to wait. He and wasn't really he getting any of one flew over cuckoo's nest. So, <laughs> back to part two for yeah. a moment. Why do you guys think that this is the film that everybody seemed to get their panties in a bunch over catching up to? The only other thought. Okay, so you know, two thousand one. Wait, uh, well, sort of. Um, you know, Terminator came and went, like, August 29th, 1997, came and went, and nobody said boo. Um, 2001 came and went, we, you know, we got, like, allusions to it when we turned the calendar over into 2001, but nobody really said boo. The only other thing in, in recent memory that when we caught up to it, it was like, ooh, was when the calendar turned over into 1984, for all sorts of various different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, 
But something about this sequel has, maybe it's just because of its place in pop culture, had everybody anxiously awaiting 2015 and being, you know, I'm, I'm the one thing I'm happy about is that we're never ever again going to see that stupid Facebook meme of, holy crap, you guys, today is the day that Marty McFly went no, into the future. Oh, and, no, and then they're not, really no. idiots. Um, but I I would always wonder what it was about 20, catching up to 2015. Tied, tied to people's, I mean, millennials' uh, childhood. Yeah. That's, that's one reason. It also made a lot of predictions uh, in a fun way, not in like a serious way, like 2001, where it was like, here's where we can look. Or 1984. Oh, 1984 is a bit different because 1984 was so deeply ingrained in the culture in a way that even 2001 wasn't. And it wasn't even about the technology specifically. It was about these ideas of what the society would be like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Back to the Future has like all these ridiculous predictions. And people, I think part of it is the ridiculousness. People love the idea of like... Hoverboards. Yeah, yeah hoverboards. Yeah. I mean, well, and the hoverboards were su- and the hoverboards were such a thing when the yeah. movie came out. Oh yeah, because, and they were advertising them as like, or no, I think there it was Bob Zemeckis. People thought they were real because Bob Zemeckis made a joke in an interview, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh yeah, they're totally real." That was on and, that showing that I recorded the week that that they, that in part two came out because yeah. I had that on the tape. And everybody thought it was, it was real, real, so people were calling saying, "Well, where can I order mm-hmm. one of the hoverboards?" Yeah. At the height of real. at the height of like the skateboarding renaissance yeah. too. And she's like, well, "Well, that's fine, but where can I get one?" Yeah. Yeah. And like people were going crazy. Yeah. For what it. you're doing is you're selling kids at the time a vision of the future, where like kids are invested and kids just go. I'm going to be alive to see that, like, yeah. you know, barring some tragic event. But, like, if I'm a kid, I, 30, 30 years, even, for, it wasn't even 30 years because it's 1989 it came out. So it's, like, that amount of time, okay, I'll be around. I'll be an adult. Let's see if I'll get all these things, you know. It's the, it's the where's my jetpack, but it's where's my hoverboard. Right. Right. Um, plus, I think it's just such a fun movie. That's so it just it, it's just as the, maybe it's part like hey listen maybe I'm being narcissistic and it's just it's because it's part of my generation that we all wanted to catch up to it yeah that that, that it's why it became this big thing and People maybe for another yeah I was gonna say for another for another generation it's gonna be another one um, kids didn't grow up with 2001 n- no no not unless they were very very um, had interesting parents yeah very the, interesting parents did you care like about catching up to 2015 and, and hoverboards and flying cars and jackets that dry themselves and such or or did it just not matter see for me it's less about the fact that it's um it's less about the fact that it's you know it means self-drying jackets self-lacing shoes and hoverboards and da 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 $50 pepsis Uh, yeah it's less about stuff like that so much as it's about interacting with the film yeah it's it's an it's an ability to participate right and this is never gonna happen again tomorrow is the only day in history that we will ever be able to participate in this film in this way. The mm-hmm. only day. And there's something about that that's really... I mean, I don't know about, about you guys, but this movie was such like such an indelible part of my childhood and oh, like, yeah, growing no, like, up that yeah. I can't... F- like That the idea of being able to experience the movie tomorrow... Well, today, today. on yeah. the 21st of yeah. October 2015 at 4.29 p.m., that... Like that, it, it, it gives me it gives me goosebumps and it makes me excited and it makes me giddy and it makes me want to cry and I'm just like it's a thing it's here and I'm in it and is it a sad thing a little but in a happy way 
if that makes any sense. It's yeah, that yeah. kind of happy sad where you're like, you can't quite contain all of the feels and they're all coming out in every direction at once. You're trying to pretty cry? You're not trying to messy cry? Oh, no. Screw, <laughs> screw messy cries. Screw pretty cries. It's just, I'm just vibrating. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So excited. Because it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's, and it, 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 it's the type of thing that, that I think really is fandom. Because fandom gets a really bad name. And I think generally being a fan is kind of a dirty word. Yeah. But it's now. it it is now because it's gotten to such a place of obsession that it's any anybody who tries to interact with it who hasn't interacted with it their whole life is well you don't know what you're talking about. Nah, 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 nah. And there's a real sense of elitism. And th- this is a fandom on a totally different level where all I want to do is sit down everyone who's never seen it and say watch this and experience this and love this because it's yeah. so awesome in just everything. And yeah. It also it, I mean and it has a bit more to do with the first movie than the second, but the the place of the series in pop culture is really strange. It's it's when you look at the kind of movie that it is, this is exactly the kind of movie that would be remade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and people are trying to. Well, I don't. They never will. Yeah, it won't have a. But as long no, as the Bobs, no, 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 never say never. As wait, long wait. as the Bob, they have they have a contract. As long as the Bobs are alive, no one is allowed to do anything to that film without their say so. Wow. Yeah, they own the That's, movie. That is clout. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was part of the deal with with making the movie, but the the um, I just mean like it. It's this weird movie. There, there's few others that are like it. ET is actually one of them, um, where. It doesn't have, it's not like some obsessive fan culture that follows around something like Star Wars. Right. No, you know it's I mean? Star Trek it doesn't have or... it doesn't have that stigma. You know, granted, Star Wars is totally mainstream and everybody watches Star Wars, but not everybody. Not everybody. Like, if I was like, "Hey, mom, you know, let's go see the new Star Wars movie," she's gonna be like, "Like, I'm not gonna watch <laughs> this movie with like weird aliens and stuff." Um, but could get a YouTube clip of you asking your mom. Like I said to about five people at work today, did you watch the new Star Wars yeah. trailer? And, and half like, of them I, are what like, am I, what? what am I a dork? Like, yeah. Yeah. One know. person was like, oh my God, it's so good. And yeah. then I got to geek out. Where, whereas something like Back to the Future, just it just you know hits, anybody can watch that movie and not feel like weird about it, not feel like there's anything nerdy about it. There, it there's just something like it hits that space that, that, touches people and keeps it timeless like there, there's there's so few movies that that do it, that it's, it doesn't um, alienate its audience the no, way other fandom fan culture does not yeah. at all not at all and it it, it embraces its audience right. in fact it, it hugs them right and even other weird. even other like even other classics i mean there's some classics stuff like wizard of oz thing it, to me it sits right in that right in that realm of like, Wizard of Oz. But even Wizard of Oz does the, this thing where it kind of builds a world and it's based on these books and so there's there's space to kind of move within it. Whereas Back to the Future is this perfect movie with this incredible script, amazing director, uh, perfect producer shepherding it, exactly the right actors. Um, it's the kind of movie that it's had other people, had any one thing about it not been there, yeah, it wouldn't have been. It's sort of like Casablanca that way where Casablanca should not have been as good a movie as it is. Yeah. But somehow there's just this weird alchemy that happens sometimes and you get this perfect movie. Um, well, like, could you imagine if they hadn't asked Spielberg for help and they were stuck with Stoltz? We wouldn't be here right now. 
Right. It's one of those things. Like Spielberg Completely. as a producer, I, I kind of wish he would be a little bit more selective now as a producer because I, I sort of feel like he's produced a little bit too much and put his name on a little bit too much. But for a long time there, he was actually really, really adding a really deft touch to movies. And, it, and it's stuff like this where you really see him just in the margins, not so much in... I really do feel that this is very much the Bob's movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel that this is Michael J. Fox's movie and... and Christopher Lloyd's movie and Lord knows Leah Thompson's movie. You know, I feel it's like if you, like we said, if you change out and and Chris Fix, if you change out any of those players, um, it's 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 not gonna be it's not gonna be what it is. Like everybody brought their A game to it, and it was just this perfect little moment it in was time. The perfect sum of its parts. Is it just to kind of end on the sequel? Is it gonna feel strange waking up Thursday morning and having that? In, is it gonna be strange finally being in the future? No, but it's going to be sad to know that that day is never going to happen again. Really? It's going to, I'm going to, I mean, it's not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a big deal, but it's not, the attachment to to October 21st isn't that it's the future. It isn't that, oh my God, we're here. Look at all the flying cars that aren't around. It's just, again, that association and that participation with the film. So knowing that that's never going to happen again, that's going to be sad. There might like there might be another movie that comes along eventually that hinges itself to a date on a long enough timeline. It's yeah. going to happen. We're not going to be of the right age yeah. for it to mean anything. Well, to us. not necessarily, but it's it's the the issue is the issue. Like is, I mean, okay, what's what? Yeah. Sorry, just to to say, like, what's Blade Runner's date? It's like twenty nineteen, isn't it? No idea. Oh, you, come on. Um, I'm not a bit, which, We've been over this. I'm which, not a big fan of Blade Runner. Fan. Which movie is it that's 1999? Is it Blade Runner? No, Blade Runner's 20 something. But there is a one, one, one of those One of those movies think, is 19. Uh, uh, Demolition, Demolition Man. Demolition Man that's is like 97. Yeah. No, Terminator is 97. Terminator, Terminator is 97. Terminator 2 is 97. Yes. Yeah. It's, Terminator 1 was... N- it was always 97. Was Terminator 1 takes... Yeah. 1997 is when the bomb's supposed to... Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And and that day came and went. And and seriously, that day came and went and there there was nothing. Yeah. Really. It was it wasn't well, even yeah, it because was, also look at the difference like this. Look at the difference between whether you know what the date symbolizes in T two yeah. versus what the date yeah. symbolizes in Back to the Future Two. Also, quite frankly, look at what place Back to the Future holds in the in the Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, but also just like the cultural uh, mindset. You know, versus Terminator Two. Terminator Two, you know, people reference Skynet or whatever, but it's it, it's not tied to a date. It's just like this general idea of like robots are going to take over. Yeah. Um, back to the Future is just this playful thing that, that everybody loves. Yeah. So back back before I cut you off, is it going to feel strange finally eclipsing this piece of pop culture? Mm-hmm. Not really. No. You're fine with that? No. No, you're still young. No. To be honest, to to be honest, if the internet hadn't been making a big deal out of it, I probably would have just passed it by and not noticed. No, it. you would have noticed. No, probably you not. absolutely would have noticed that Pro- we got to October twenty first. No, I I I probably would. You I, especially would. I'm have telling noticed. you, I probably wouldn't have noticed. I probably would have like a. I probably would have gotten to like November and been like, oh shit, yeah, there was that happened. Was, wasn't that the Back to the Future day? Crap, I missed it. You know, there was like, oh, let's see that. That saddens me. But it's I don't like. Are you having like a party or something tomorrow? No, today? I don't have I, parties. That's my, my attachment. My attachment to those movies is not related. It's it's not obsessive in the same way. It's obsessive purely because I've seen them so many times, mm. not because you know. Um, 
like I want to just get into everything and like read extra books and like dress up as characters. Not interested in that. I'd like to own a DeLorean because it's really cool. But you know, other than that, <laughs> and a with a flux capacitor and a hoverboard, everybody wants a hoverboard. We all want hoverboards. We all do. Um, guys, thank you so much for this. I, I, I doubt I will ever be able to mark a date like this in in the way of a film and just you know effuse about it for the better part of two hours. Um, but um, I, I thank you both dearly. And, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be watching the same movie tomorrow, so uh, let's have at it. That is one, episode 145 of the Cast. Come on back on November 2nd for episode 146. We're going to be discussing, I'm not sure what, we're either to be talking about Room, uh, Our Brand is in Crisis, or Beasts of No Nation. Um, it depends on which one strikes my fancy, none of which are nearly as good as Back to the Future. Um, I guess they're all over the place, so I'm going to let them peddle their various wares. Uh, beginning with Ariel Fisher, where can people find you on the interweb? Uh, you can find me at arielfisher.com or on Twitter at afis 8 afis 8 Very nice. Corey Ted? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Ted. And yeah, that's that's mostly it. And, and, and argue with you vehemently. Uh, as, as you know, as, as you're prone to do on Twitter, you're you're, you're calming down in your old age. You're I not... don't tweet about movies. Uh, I, I don't get into film Twitter anymore. I don't do. It. Oh, that saddens me. So yeah. that, that saddens me more than no hoverboards. No, I just it, it, film Twitter. Just okay. It it, it, it uh, ate itself from within, and I've I've stepped away. You're maturing. I tweeted about a movie today. I but saw that. I that that's why I'm so confused. I tweeted I tweeted about it, but I'm not going to get into a conversation about it. Okay, I can yeah. follow you again. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> My site is thematnay.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes by going to thematnay.ca slash podcasting. You can find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, um, Apple's podcasting app in the iTunes store. Everything gives you a subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. I am dying here fast. Any feedback on Back to the Future um, can be sent to Ryan at thematnay.ca, Twitter, where I am matinee underscore ca, Facebook.com slash dark matinee, and that's pretty much it. Any final thoughts, folks? Just go, go watch Back to the Future. Go watch Back to the Future. Where's my damn hoverboard? For <laughs> Ariel and Corey, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.